to talk about the gifts of God today. You know, there are those gifts that, that we anticipate receiving. It might be Christmas coming up as a child, and you just like, there's one gift above all gifts that I want. As we get older and we have a, a special somebody in our life, we're just anticipating a certain gift. And once, we're never surprised, it, but it's still that moment. They actually heard my heart, and now they're presenting it to me. There's those other gifts that we didn't even know was coming and just overwhelmed us. God has a lot of gifts for his children. They're gifts. They are to be received. So we ask ourselves, Lord, why are you so good to me? Why do you love me so much? Of the gifts, the Bible gives us many descriptions. The gift of salvation. It is a gift, the gift of eternal life that he gives to us. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit living in our life. And for many of us, it's been churched a long time. If we're not careful, somewhere along the way, we've heard it so many times that we allow it to, to lose its effect. But can you go back in your mind when you knew that you knew that you were lost and you needed a Savior and you asked him to forgive you of your sin? The gift of the Holy Spirit. That you, Oh, I just, I just want the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. And Can you remember the time when you were filled initially? There are spiritual gifts that are given to us. Many times we describe them to the church, but remember, the church is made up of individuals, those gifts that he gives. It is Paul who captured it, and he said, I can tell you when it happened. It's when after his suffering on the cross... And his death, but his resurrection, the Bible says that he was ascended. And as he ascended, he gave good gifts to men. Started that whole process. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, if you would stand one more time for the reading of God's word. This is one of those passages that I trust that you'll reread this week and, and just say, let let me get six more sermons out of it just in my own time, Lord. Just let it keep speaking to me. Give me a Monday sermon, a Tuesday sermon, a Wednesday sermon. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring, how many knows you're an offspring of Abraham in faith, that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is the adherence of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. And it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. 
He did not, focus right here closely, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Thank you, Lord, for your eternal word. Let it speak to us again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Of those gifts that he gives us, and each one of them are extremely important to us, none is any more important than the gift of faith. The gift of faith is actually how we get saved. It is again Paul writing, and he says, we are not saved by the law. We are not saved by works. We are saved by grace through faith. And in that, we become justified. Maybe you've been a goody two-shoes your whole life and never did anything wrong. But if you have done some things wrong and you knew that you were guilty, that wonderful Cleansing feeling when, when you knew you were wrong, somebody forgave you anyhow and allowed you passage back into their life. If you've ever been sorely wounded in relationship where, yes, you were a perpetrator, you did something wrong, and they wouldn't forgive you. Or if they did forgive you, they didn't want re to be reconciled. And you carry that the rest of your days. Because of my action, even though they forgave me, I can't have that friendship back. The gift of faith says that we can be saved by his grace. And in that, we are justified. Wow, what a word. That's one of those important biblical words that we cannot lose. And again, if we were in children's church today, we would teach it this way, wouldn't we? It's just as if I'd... Never sinned. Justified. The same word just broken down phonetically to help us understand I'm clean. I remember a song written by Evie Tornquist many years ago when I was a teenager. And it was a simple little song, but it still speaks to my spirit. The title of it, I'm clean before my Lord. What a wonderful feeling. If anybody knows me, they know that I believe in showers. I, I've been known to take half a dozen of them in one day. I just can't stand it. And the, those times where I'm extremely either dirty from work or I've perspired greatly from exercise, there's nothing better than that shower, just cleansing and washing. The gift that he gives to us. But you see, here's the secret of all these gifts. They've got to be received. And as simple as that statement is, sometimes... We're not too quick to pick up on that. We either assume, oh, it's always been there or it's just going to happen. But it is this admission, no, I, I, I didn't earn it. I can't attain it in myself. The only way I'm going to get it is to receive it. This simple action is, it has a pattern to it when it comes to these gifts, especially salvation. We've got to firmly come to a place where we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the only one 
The only name under heaven whereby we can receive salvation, the name of Jesus. We're living in a time now where the voices are really, really becoming loud and obnoxious and just saying, we'll accept your Jesus if you'll accept somebody else. They're all the same God. No, there is no other name. You have to come to this place of being fully committed and understand, firmly believe that he died for our sin. And in that, the pattern is equaled as well to understand that you have to repent, a true repentance. Lord, I am. I am so sorry. And in that now, I'm no longer my own. I will be obedient to your word. How many knows that's hard to do at times? Because we get in our own way. How many have ever been selfish? I want it the way I want it, when I want it, where I want it, as many times as I want it. And oh, by the way, thank you, Jesus. That obedience to your word. At times it's so easy. Yes, Lord, I, I couldn't have come up with a better plan myself. Yes, I'll be obedient to that. But those other times when other voices are calling on me and I may have to stand alone, it's kind of hard. But that pattern of receiving, you finally, and here's where the rubber meets the road, as we say. It is that passionate devotion of surrender to him. Above everything else, Jesus, I want you in my life. Above everything else, I want you to be pleased with my actions. Above everything else and anybody else, Lord, it is about you. You are the focus. You see, this gift of faith, oh, we know the description found in Hebrews 11 and 1. It's the substance of things that we're hoping for. It's evidence of things we don't yet see. We understand that. And yes, it mentions things. And yet, when you really look at this gift this gift is all about Jesus. At any time that you're operating in faith, the focus has to be him, not the things that we are seeking, but we're seeking him. Lord, if I ask of you, if, and it's pleasing unto you, O oh Lord, then yes, I want to receive. Lord, help me in my faith to see it the way you see it. Lord, in my faith, as incredible as it is, this gift that's capable of growing and believing for, I want to know that you'll get glory for what's going on. You'll get glory for my healing. You'll get glory for this promotion. You'll get glory for giving me the strength to be sustained during this time when everybody else would say, I don't know how you withstood all that pressure. This gift of faith. There's something, of course, also mentioned here then that is its rival. And that's this thing called unbelief. It may come in so subtle, it may seem as though it's uh, innocuous. And yet it can be so lethal. Unbelief. The only way we can believe against all other, God, uh, uh, all other gods, yes, but all other odds is again that devotion unto God. I tell you what's really come before me now multiple times here recently. Phone calls, texts, comments from coworkers, 
members of this congregation, others that I've known over the years, of the things that we've accepted in our life as we court the world, the things that we've let slip in, in the back door, the side door of life, the things that we once would have never entertained, but now they become common to us. We found out that we weren't cursed of God immediately, so we must be getting away with it. And yet, there it is again, this gift of faith that has to have its focus upon our Lord entirely. This gift of faith that was given to me, and here's where I really want us to look. Do we cherish that gift? Of all those gifts that you've received over the years that you just had to have, how many of them have you already forgotten about? You traded them in for a larger model. Uh, it, was, it was good for the time, but you wanted more. But what about those gifts that you to this day cherish? That as you look upon them, it's like, I, I can't believe I'm still the recipient of that. That that person cared for me so much. That that person sacrificed so much. That that person listened to my heart so intently that it still was with me. Some of those things you've lost, the material possession of it, but it's still right here. That somebody loved you when nobody else would love you. That somebody cared for you when nobody else knew how to care for you. This gift of faith that God has given us, do we cherish it? So here's the statement I'd like to say. we got to take care of the gift of faith that's been given to us to take care of it, to protect it, to not allow something else to take its place in our life. Oh, I know we talk about so many other gifts, but let's focus on this gift that we speak of typically when we're trying to achieve something in life, to trust God, to have a mountain removed by faith. But just the gift of faith itself Again, most of us have song lyrics in our heads. Some of them are the most contemporary songs, the, the ones that's on the top charts right now. But uh, as you get older, there are certain songs that just stay with you. And there are certain phrases. I'm not good at remembering whole songs. How many is with me? Thank you. But certain phrases. Now, I'll really show my age, but I grew up in a home where the record player played certain, certain, one certain artist more than anybody else, and his name was Jack Holcomb. Jack Holcomb, back in the day, was known as Mr. Gospel Music. He died in 1968. The reason he had been in our home was because he served in the Second World War with our uncle and became very close to our father as well. And so we had the privilege when Jack was traveling in the Midwest, he would stay in our home and eat breakfast at our table. And so, of course, we, he would sing at our, at our church. But of those songs, uh, one of those songs, it just repeats over in my head. Even when I don't know it's there, it starts speaking to me. And it simply says, prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. 
That little phrase has stayed with me over and over and over because as important as prayer is, as important as communicating to God our need and hearing his voice, it, the connection, the link between heaven and earth is that faith that God has given us. You can pray for something, but do you, can you believe for it? It's one thing to ask. It's another thing to receive. Oh, come on. My son is listening to me preach right now. And as a child growing up, he'd ask for certain things. And his mother and I would use a little trick that most of us have done as parents. We'll think about it. That worked for a while. But after a while, he realized that means no. Just because he asked doesn't mean he got it. Did I hear an amen coming out of the back of the house? But faith unlocks the door. Now we start realizing what this thing's all about. My God is able. My God. That's the focus of my faith. It isn't the thing that I want that's so important. It's my God who's so important. I know that whatever I ask of him, it is all possible in him and through him. It isn't me having faith in my own faith. It is faith in God when all things become possible. Again, as elementary as this message sounds, you you realize how foundational it is and why we miss the mark so often because we get caught up. It is now Abraham that's brought to our attention. Again, My sister and I, two brothers, still have a father living at 102. When I read this passage that Abraham was 100, I think of my natural father, and I think, it ain't going to happen for my dad. Nor would he want it to happen for him. But at 100 years of age, how many of you are already 50? You're like, "Uh -uh, I don't want no stress on my life anymore than I got right now. How'd you like to be 70 and have the responsibility of a child? Ladies, how many of you like to bear children at 80? Oh, I got a live crowd now. Let this story come alive to us today. Abraham believed. And yet he was not ignorant. He wasn't foolish He wasn't blind. He wasn't uneducated. Any of these things. The Bible takes the time to say he considered his own body. And then he looked over his wife and he considered her body. And pushed through the reasoning power, the experience of life and says, I see all these things, but my focus is upon you, God, and your promise, and I know that you are capable, and I know what you've promised, and I know that you're not a liar, so I'm going to believe in you. Abraham didn't waver. If I asked for a raise of hands, how many of us waver, every hand would go up. 
Lord, I want to believe, but help my unbelief. But God, your word promises. It is James, the brother of Jesus, that simply said, ask in faith with no doubt. No doubting involved when you ask. If you doubt, you're like a wave of the ocean tossed by the winds. So I ask, believing. The expression that James uses is we become double-minded. The reason I'm preaching this message today is because of the things swirling now in our culture. New phrases every week. New demonstrations and protests every week. What are we to believe? Who's going to be divided from whom this week? Who's going to, who was together last week in the protest is now going to be arch enemies of each other. The spirit of division that's just killing us. We come to this place and say, no, Lord, I don't want to be double-minded. I don't want to find myself wavering over here because now a celebrity is pushing this or someone I know personally is pushing this or someone I care for or uh, this might be acceptable to somebody else and I'd like to get involved with them. I'd like to fellowship with them. I can't afford to be double-minded when it comes to my God. Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. So I've got to take care of this faith you've given me to cherish it, to hold on to it. How many believes that God is able? The Bible says he's exceedingly, abundantly able to do that which we ask. I'll ask you to stand with me today.